Trinity Baptist Church. A reading from Joshua 23. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered, between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land, as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have until now. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God has given you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened. Until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you. And you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. The word word of of the Lord. Lord. Name some memorable farewell addresses. Who was it? Oh, okay. That wasn't actually a farewell address, though. That was an acceptance speech. How about um, Lou Gehrig in Yankee Stadium? Um, You know, I must be the luckiest man, you know, on the face of the earth, right? Or, or General MacArthur's farewell to Congress. As a military leader, I am fading away, and I have done my duty as God gave me light to see that duty. Uh, you know, or, or, or his farewell to the troops at Corregidor. See ya. No. He said, I shall return, right? I mean, farewell addresses have the power to be um, invigorating, motivating, uh, stirring. And you can read through the scriptures, and there are some great farewell addresses in the scriptures. You know, Paul has one to the Ephesian elders. He had one to, to Timothy. This morning, we're going to look at this farewell address that Joshua has to the, the leaders in the nation of Israel in Joshua chapter 23, if you want to turn there. Now, we're, we're wrapping up this series next week, and so we're going to tie a big bow on the book of Joshua. 
But what we've been what we've been doing is we've been walking through this book, looking at principles for taking new ground in our lives spiritually, taking new ground as a church, as we've we've seen what God did and what God instructed the nation to do in order to take new ground. And and we're in this last section of the book and and it's about settling into this life of inheritance that God has for them. Now, as we've seen, yes, they've conquered the land, but life's not easy now. There, there are still pockets of resistance. There's still battles that have to be fought. And we, we can appreciate that in our own lives, right? I mean, You've come to faith in Jesus Christ. You have been given new life in him because of his death and resurrection on the cross. There's nothing that you can do to add to that. He's done it. He's given you the victory. He has given you this new life in him. And yet, we don't really possess it yet. There's this incompleteness to life with Christ. There's this incompleteness to the to the abundant life that he promised to give us. And so we have to continue to to move into it and settle into that. And we've seen that taking place in the life of Israel. And and now Joshua comes and he says, here's here's my final address. Here's what you got to know. And so this is not just a, a final address to, to read and be stirred by or motivated. It's, it's something that we need to remember and hold on to. And so let's look at what Joshua has to say. Joshua chapter 23, you'll notice in verse 3, the first thing he does is he tells Israel that they need to focus on what the Lord has done. Verse 3, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all of these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes and all the land that the nation of the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the, the great sea in the west. Joshua begins his, his farewell address with this reminder of what God has done for them. He reminds them of the military victories. He, he reminds them of the land that they've been given. He reminds them of the completeness of the conquest. Friends, it is so important in our lives that we remember what God has done for us. And, and we've talked about this a couple of times in this series. Um, talked about having trophies. We talked about building altars. We have to remember what God has done in our lives. And it's not just the spiritual things. It's not just the fact that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And yes, I remember that. But, but we need to remember his, his day-to-day provision for us. We need to remember the mercies that he has shown us in providing over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but Sometimes I get discouraged in my job. Yes, there are times when I don't like you. <laughs> I get disheartened and I get discouraged and I, I just want to quit. I just, you know, I just want to throw in the towel and say I'm done. But then I remember what God did, has done. 
to call us here. And how God has marvelously and miraculously provided for my family over the years. And he gave us another huge example of his provision in the last month. And so when I look at these things, my, my mind goes from wanting to be out of here to saying, where else would I want to be? Because if God has called me here and he's done all this stuff, why would I want to go anywhere else? You see, we need to remember God's faithfulness in our lives. We need to remember what he has done. Because when we do that, it changes our perspective. Um, You know, too often, we let our feelings drive us. Too often we let discouragement drive us or our discontent drive us. But if we will, if we'll just remember what the Lord has done, it'll change that. It'll change our perspective and help us to move forward. Not only did Joshua remind them of what the Lord had done, but he gave them a description of what the future of what future success would look like and how they could accomplish it. He says, um, verse 5, The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Do you see Joshua's description of success in that verse? Joshua's description of success is submit to the Lord and allow him to accomplish his purposes through you. That's Joshua's description of success. Now, I wonder if that's your definition of success. I wonder if that's our definition of success. I think often we define success the way the world defines success. Get the apartment on Park Avenue, I'm successful. Get the house in the Hamptons, get, the, get all the stuff, that's success. Climb to the top of the ladder, that's success. Friends, that's not success. That might be accomplishment, but it's not success. And those are different things. The Apostle Paul, I think, is a great picture of the, the two sides of the, of the success coin. He says in, in Philippians 3, he gives his list of, of accomplishments. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, to consider themselves a success, he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. He says, I was at the top of my profession. I had power, I had prestige, I had social status. I had it all. But then he writes, Whatever was to my profit, 
I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And, And at the end of his life, in one of Paul's farewell addresses to Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. You see, Paul's point was, I know that I accomplished a lot. I know that I had a lot. I know that in the world's eyes, I was a success. But that was nothing. That was garbage compared to what I found in Jesus. That was nothing compared to the, the, the life I experienced when I allowed God to work his promises in me and through me. Friends, that's what Joshua is saying success is. What's our definition of success? Is it to climb the ladder to the top? What if you climb the ladder to the top and you find out it's leaning against the wrong building? Joshua's trying to say, don't go that way. Paul's trying to say, don't go that way. Find your success in the Lord. And then Joshua gives us some steps to, to what achieving that success, how we achieve that success. First step is found in verse 3. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. What's the principle? Give God the credit. Give credit where credit is due. Give God the credit and the glory that's due Him. You know, in the midst of struggle... It's easy for me to depend on the Lord. Right? You're struggling with stuff. You're having a hard time. You can't make it happen. And so you're crying out to God, Lord, help me. Get me through this. Right? We've all been there. But when I get to the other side of the struggle and things have turned out pretty well, it's pretty easy for me to say, man, didn't I handle that well? You know, I was so patient. I, you know, and, and, and my wisdom pulled me through, you know. You know, we get to the other side and we, and we start saying, yeah, I did pretty great there. Instead of saying, thank you, Lord. Lord, it was all you. We, we need to give the credit to where credit is due. Israel would not have conquered Canaan if it had not been for the Lord. Yes, they had to fight some battles. Yes, they had to be obedient. Yes, they had to walk into it. But at the end of the day, if it had not been for the Lord, they would not have conquered Canaan. And the same thing is true for us. Yes, you will have to do some things. Yes, you will have some accomplishments. Yes, you will 
you know, bring your own gifts and abilities and strengths to the table. But at the end of the day, it is the Lord who has given them to you. It is the Lord who has made you who you are. And it is the Lord who has blessed you with all that you have. Give credit to where credit is due. Secondly, we are to obey the Lord. Look at verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Does that sound familiar? Like maybe what God said to Joshua in chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey everything I've written in the law. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but meditate on it day and night. Joshua is telling Israel, you know what God told me? You know that's true. And I'm telling you, don't forget that. Friends, if we're going to be successful, we need to be obedient to the Lord. Question. Who or what is the authority of your life? What guides you? When you need direction in life, where do you go? If you are going anywhere else than to the truth of the Scriptures, you're going to the wrong place. You're going to the wrong place. I, you know what? I don't understand half of what's in this book. And, and maybe that's even being generous. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how much I don't know. Right? I mean, but there's a lot I do understand. And there are times when I don't even do what I do understand. But even though I, I don't understand it all, and even though I don't even obey all that I understand, there is no other guide in my life than this one. Because I know that at the end of the day, um, I'm going to be lost without it. I know that at the end of the day, without the truth of the scriptures, I don't have the sustenance to sustain me day after day after day. I think too often we... We listen to the world. We listen to what culture says. We, you know, I'm struggling with this, so I go to this friend or I go to that friend. Um, did you go to the Lord? How are you going to obey the Lord if you don't know what the Lord wants you to do? And how are you going to know what the Lord wants you to do if you're not in the Scriptures? Right? Friends, if you want to be successful... Joshua says, obey what the Lord calls you to in the Word. Third step, do not associate, verse 7, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. And then look down at verse 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God, but if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them, 
and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your back and thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. What's the principle? We need to be people of distinction. Paul said that we are to be in the world, but not, what, of the world. Uh, We know that we can't totally isolate ourselves, um, nor should we. But we need to be distinct. We need to be set apart in such a way that people know that we are different from them. Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 12, he said, um, do not any longer um, conform yourselves to the pattern of this world. Or I love how J.B. Phillips paraphrases it. He says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. How often do we let the world squeeze us into its mold? How often do we compromise and we start rationalizing and we start doing things the way everybody else does them because everybody else does them that way? Not because it's right. We, we're not living distinct. We begin to value what the world values. We begin to value leisure. We begin to value possessions. We begin to value comfort and pleasure and and on and on and on. But when we buy into those things, we lose our distinction as a people of God. In a culture that says sex is recreation, we need to be different. We need to hold to the sanctity of the sexual union in marriage. In a culture that says accumulate all that you can, we need to be different. We need to be a people who are giving away as much as we can because we are called to be generous because God was generous. In a culture that says, do whatever it takes to get ahead, do whatever it takes to get the deal, do whatever it takes to get the account, we need to be different. And we need to say, no, I'm going to be ethical. I'm going to have integrity. And if you're asking me to do this in order to get that, I'm not going to go there. We need to be distinct. We are called to walk this tightrope where... We have authentic, genuine relationships with people who don't know the Savior, and yet we are not to assimilate to their ways. Rather, we are to call them toward the truth of Christ. In the world, but not of the world. The last step in godly success is in the second half of verse 7. And this is... Similar to being distinct, but I think it raises the bar. Joshua says, do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Joshua says the the last step to success is you avoid idolatry. You You don't put anything above God.
Now, we know what idolatry was in, in Canaan, and, and Rebecca talked about the idols that they have in India that you can touch and see, and they're there. And, and the same thing was true in Canaan. And they, you know, they would, you know, they would sacrifice their children to their gods. They would engage in sexual immorality as a form of worship. Um, I mean, they were doing stuff that's crazy. And I, and I doubt that we do that stuff. I mean, I've never sacrificed my kids, though I've thought about it at times. Um, <laughs> If you're a parent, you get that. Um, But we have other idols. There are other things that we put above God that we make more of a priority in our lives than God. And, and we can go down the list and articulate all the, you know, the bad things, you know, sex and materialism and, and career and this and that and the other. But you know what? We can, we can make anything an idol. The style of worship that we have here can be an idol. If we put the worship above the God that we worship, then worship is an idol. The study of Scripture can be an idol. If I put the study of the Scripture above the God that the Scriptures are pointing me toward, then this is an idol. We can make anything an idol. What Joshua is saying is, if you're going to be a success in life, then you've got to have God first. You can't have any, anything before Him. To experience success, true success, we need to, number one, give God the credit for all that we have and all that we are. We, number two, we obey God as he's revealed himself in the scriptures. We live lives of distinction, a part of the world but not of the world so that we can represent Christ to the world. And, and lastly, we, we don't put anything above him. We let God take his rightful place in our lives. The last part of, of Joshua's farewell address is in verses 14 and following. And, and this is really good, but it's really on point, okay? So listen to this. Joshua says, verse 14, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil he has threatened until he has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. Joshua doesn't mince words, does he? He just lays it all out there. He says, here's the deal. You choose. 
You can choose the goodness of God. And did you notice in this paragraph, he used the word good four times. Good promises, good promises, good land, good, good land. God, he's saying God is good. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. So good, so good. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, you can choose, you can choose that. But if you don't choose that, then you're choosing the other, and that's not good. That brings consequences. That brings failure. That brings um, destruction. You see, what Joshua is saying is there's, a, there's an upside and a downside to God's covenant. And, the, and the, the downside is not good. But the upside is so good, so good. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's the upside. And so the motivation that Joshua is trying to leave with Israel and the motivation he's trying to leave with us is you don't follow God because you're afraid of the downside. You follow him because look at the good side. Look at the upside. Why wouldn't I want that? David, David said in Psalm 34, he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, if, if we'll just taste it, if we'll just taste it, then we'll say, I want that. I'm going to do that because that is so good, so good. Let's pray. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. You are faithful to all your promises, to every generation. Everything that we have is from your hand. Everything that we are is from your hand. Let us not forget that. Lord, I pray that, that, that these words of Joshua, as he says bye to this nation, I pray that, that we would take them to heart, that we would remember them and let them transform who we are. Lord, at the end of the day, I pray that we would choose. We would... We would choose you. We would choose what's good and not go, not allow ourselves to be, um, to, to assimilate into a culture that, that, that wants to give us a counterfeit in replace of what is real. Lord, I pray that we will see success as you define success and that we will experience, even as Paul did, that when I was doing it my way, yeah, I made it to the top, but what was there? It was on the wrong building. But, Lord, you've shown us what is real. I pray that we would embrace it, that we would step into it, and we would settle there for your namesake.
Amen.